Here's Anne Graham Lotz. Read the Word for knowledge of God. Knowledge of God, make no mistake about it, is the exclusive privilege of believers in Jesus Christ. Welcome to Living in the Light with Bible teacher Anne Graham Lotz and this week's message titled, Read the Word. Reading God's Word, believing what God says, is the passionate heartbeat of Anne Graham Lotz, one she wants eagerly to share with you in today's message from 2 Peter. Here's Anne, starting in the book of Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, and I want to look at just a few verses. This takes place right before the flood, and it actually explains why the flood came on the earth. Genesis chapter 6, When men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Now, I don't understand that. I just know that it means there was great wickedness on earth, great rebellion against God, blasphemy against His name. Then the Lord said, God spoke, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. God spoke, but nobody in that generation was listening. Verse 5, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, God spoke, his word went forth, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, for I am grieved that I have made them, but no one was listening. God was saying, world, judgment is coming. No one was listening. How many of you have the experience with your child, and you see your child reaching out to touch the hot stove, and you holler at your child, don't touch it, and either they don't hear you, or they ignore what you're saying, and they reach up and they grab it, and they're burned. Don't you wish they would listen? God spoke to this generation in Genesis chapter 6 that was invoking his judgment, warning them if they didn't repent, and that's why he gave them 120 years so that they could, if they would choose, if they didn't repent, judgment was coming. I believe God is speaking to our world today through the things we're seeing in nature, through the world events, through preachers, through teachers, warning the world, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Repent. Judgment is coming. Is anybody out there listening? Are you listening? There was one man listening to God in Genesis chapter 6. And through him, Noah, God saved the entire human race. How many people will God save today because you and I are listening to what he has to say? If we are living in the last days of planet Earth, I know I'm living in the last days of my life, and you may think you're under 35 or whatever the median would be, and you may, God forbid, die in a car accident going home. This may be the last day of your life. So I believe what Peter is saying to us is still relevant. We're living in the last days of our lives, and if we're living in the last days of our lives, I can't think of anything more important for you and me to do than to listen to the voice of God. Where does he speak? He speaks through his word. Peter says, living in the last days, read the word that you might hear the voice of God speaking, telling you what to do. 
telling you promises to claim, helping guide you through the last days, speaking to you that you might tell others what he is saying, that others might be saved before judgment falls. Read the Word for knowledge of God. Read the Word for power to grow. Read the Word for light to guard you against all the falsity that will permeate the world. Read the world for the hope of the glory of the return of Jesus Christ. Would you open your Bibles to Second Peter? And we're going to do our best to cover the entire book in the next few minutes. <laughs> Peter begins, read the word for knowledge of God. There are various people who claim to know God. And it's interesting when you think about it, the Ayatollah Khomeini, Saddam Hussein, Nelson Mandela, President DeClerc, Pope John Paul, Jimmy Swigert, Billy Graham, Jim Baker, Mother Teresa, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Christians, all claim to know God. Something's not right somewhere. How do you really know God as he is? And the writer of Proverbs said, My daughters, if you accept God's word and you store up God's commands within you, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and then you will find knowledge of God. Read the word for knowledge of God. Knowledge of God, make no mistake about it, is the exclusive privilege of believers in Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as mine. Grace and peace be to you in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Knowledge of God is exclusively the privilege of believers, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and their God. And other people can claim to know about God, and all of those people that I listed, I'm sure, have a certain knowledge of God and maybe have an element of truth, but they don't know Him as He is until they come to Him through Jesus Christ. God said, You cannot know me except you come through Jesus. I have revealed myself through Jesus Christ. Do you know God? Knowledge of God is not only the privilege of believers, but it's the prerequisite for blessing in your life. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have grace and peace in abundance? When you're under pressure, when you're stressed out, when you're facing problems, when you're experiencing persecution, is the grace of God and the peace of God in your heart sufficient to balance all of that? You have grace and peace in your life in proportion to your knowledge of God. And you know God as you read the Word. If you do not have grace and peace in your life to balance the pain, in what way are you neglecting the reading of the Word? Are you letting your morning prayer time slip? Are you going a day or two without reading the Word? A week or two? Are you depending on what takes place Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night to give you the Word and you're not reading it? And by reading, do you understand? I don't mean just reading the words. I mean reading it, applying it, understanding it, obeying it, eating it, saturating yourself in it. If you're not doing that, then you will lack the blessings of God in your life. Knowing God is the prerequisite for experiencing these blessings. You can be saved 
and possess all of the blessings of God, but they will not be an everyday experience in your life until you begin to grow in your knowledge of God. And you grow in your knowledge of God as you read the Word. Are you growing in your knowledge of God? Read the Word every day. Read the Word for knowledge of God. Secondly, read the Word for power to grow. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus said, You do err, you make mistakes in your life, you're failing, because you don't know the Scripture nor the power of God. And he puts knowing the Scripture together with knowing the power of God. They're inseparably linked together. There is power in God's Word. And as you eat it and your life is saturated in it, that power will become available to you. Read the Word for power to grow, first of all, in your character. Living in the last days, when you're filled with pressure and problems, and do you think that perhaps it would be a tendency to be preoccupied with surviving? That we will become preoccupied with just our day-to-day -day business? That perhaps we'll be overcome with what we're reading in our newspapers and seeing on TV or what's happening in our personal lives? That perhaps our commitment to Jesus Christ might weaken? I'm afraid of that. It's not how you begin your life Dear sister, it's how you end your Christian life that counts. And I want to end strong. I don't want my commitment to weaken. I want to grow in my commitment. And the only way I'm going to grow in my commitment and in my character is to read the Word. I want to continue to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I want to grow in my Christ-likeness. And the growth in your character is proportionate your knowledge of God. Verse 3, His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of God who has called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, His glory and His goodness, just by His own goodness, He has given you His very great and precious promises. He has given you His Word so that through reading His Word you may participate in the divine nature. You may become Christ-like and escape the corruption that's going to permeate the world in the last days. When you are born again, you receive Jesus Christ into your life. He's a man in a man's body up in heaven. He doesn't actually come into you. He comes into you in the person of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the deep in Genesis 1-2, who empowered planet Earth to receive God's Word and to be transformed, is the same Holy Spirit who lives in me. All of the power of God is available within me in the person of the Holy Spirit. I have everything I need to become Christ-like in my character. I have the power of God living in me. But it's only going to be activated as I read the Word. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that I will be transformed from glory to glory, from character to character to character, through the power of the Holy Spirit as I behold Jesus. Where do you behold Jesus? In the Word. As I read the Word and apply the Word and obey the Word and saturate myself in the Word, the Holy Spirit makes me like Jesus. Are you growing in your character? Are you more Christ-like today than you were Friday? Are you more Christ-like today than you were a week ago or a year ago? Are you growing in your character? 
You have power to grow in your character when you read the Word, power to grow in your character which is not only proportionate to your knowledge of God, but it's progressive. In verse 5, Peter says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. That faith was what you activated when you were saved. When you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, that's the faith he's talking about. Now you're to add to that. Yes, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that grows me up like Christ, but I am to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and add to my faith. My growth is not only proportionate to the time I spend in His Word, beholding the face of Jesus, but it's a progressive growth. You're not going to be changed all at once. And he gives a list of characteristics that I won't go through. I just want to emphasize that our growth into Christ-likeness is progressive. We are increasing in our Christ-likeness. A good example of this is Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, God's Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, and the deep, the earth, was without form, void, darkness filled the place. It was just a swirling mass of confusion. And God's Spirit energized it, hovered over it. Verse 3, And God said, His word went forth, and the Holy Spirit had prepared planet earth to receive it, and planet earth received God's word. Let there be light, and there was. A change took place. And the next day, on the second day, and God said, His word went forth, the Holy Spirit had prepared planet earth, planet earth received the word, and a change took place. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and that change was progressive. The world didn't change all at once. Every day God's Word went forth, every day God's Word was received, until in the end, planet Earth, that had been without form, void, in darkness, became a place of beauty, became a place that pleased God, became a place that reflected the very image of God. Now, if God can do that, for planet Earth, what can he do for you and me? But the ingredients are the same. We must receive the Holy Spirit so that we are empowered and quickened, and then the Word must come into our lives every day. Every day we receive it. Every day a change takes place until progressively we become like Jesus. This growth is proportionate to your knowledge of God, progressive. It's also a growth that's productive. In verse 8, if you possess these qualities progressively, they will keep you from being ineffective in your witness, unproductive in your prayer time, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have these things, if anyone is not making a commitment to grow in your character, you're nearsighted, you're preoccupied with yourself, you're blind, and you have forgotten you've been cleansed from your past sin. What is your attitude towards growing into Christ-likeness? Do you even care about becoming like Jesus? Are you passive about that? Peter says, if you don't really care about becoming like Christ, you've forgotten the cross. Go back to the cross. Go back and see what it cost Jesus to take away the sin in your life. Not just to save you from hell, but to save you for life. That you might be filled with his life. That you might reveal his character to the world around you. This growth is productive. If you're not becoming like Christ, go back and examine your relationship with God. Knowing God makes a difference in your life. Read the Word for power to grow in your character. Verse 10, Therefore, my sisters, 
Be all the more eager to make your calling and your election sure. Be all the more eager to grow in your character and grow in your commitment. And your growth should be passionate. Verse 10, be eager to make your calling and election sure. And then it says, if you are not eager, or if you are eager, you will never fall. If you do these things, if you're making a commitment to grow, and you're growing in that commitment, and you're growing in your character, then you won't fall. But if you're not growing, you will fall. Would you grow in your commitment, which is passionate, and also grow in the purpose of your commitment? In verse 11, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if you make this commitment to grow. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ and claim his blood to cleanse you of your sin and invite him to be your Savior and Lord, you're accepted in heaven. Once you get there, there are two ways to enter in. You can enter in abundantly like this, a rich welcome into the kingdom, or you can squeak in by the skin of your teeth. And the difference is the way you live your Christian life on earth. Paul said in 1 Corinthians that you and I are to live our lives so that when we get to heaven and stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our Christian life passes through the fire of his holiness, that our life will not be just wood, hay, and stubble and burnt up because we've lived it according to our way and our will and according to what we wanted to do, but that our life, because it's been lived in his will, his way, according to his word, would be gold, silver, precious stones passing through the fire and we'll receive a reward. And maybe the reward is simply an abundant welcome into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe our reward will simply be a crown to lay at the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is, I want it. I want an abundant entrance into heaven. In John chapter 17, Jesus was praying right before his crucifixion. And just before you're getting ready to die, and you kneel in prayer, you're not going to be mincing words and you're not going to be playing games. You're going to be pouring out your heart. And he wasn't teaching his disciples to pray. They were just allowed to overhear his personal private prayer to his father. And in verse 5, he says something like this, Father, give me everything you have for me. Give me the glory I had with you as Son of God. Give me the glory I now have as Son of Man. Glorify me and I want my disciples to see me in my glory. I don't want to miss out on a thing that you have for me. I want to be faithful to the end to receive everything you intend to give me. You have that same desire to receive all that God has for you, not to miss out on one blessing, not to miss out on one little piece of fruit, not to miss out on one little area of service, not to miss out on a thing. I want to receive all that God has for me. Now, I'll be honest. I'm sure I've already missed quite a bit. But I want to receive as much as is humanly possible for me to receive in the power of the Holy Spirit before my time is up. I want an abundant entrance into his kingdom. Would you make a commitment to grow in your passion, your purpose, in the perseverance of your commitment? Verses 12 to 15, we see Peter's perseverance, don't we? I will always remind you of these things. Verse 13, as long as I live in the tent of this body, I'm going to say these things. Verse 15, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things because I'm going to write it down. And we'll call it First and Second Peter and we'll call it the Gospel of Mark, but I'm writing down these things so that you can read the Word 
and never forget. And just as he's getting ready to die, we see Peter's perseverance, don't we? Making a commitment to persevere to the end. Oh, would you make a commitment to persevere to the very end? You'll never maintain that commitment unless you read the Word. Read the Word for power to grow in your character. Read the Word for power to grow in your commitment and keep growing until the end. Read the Word for power to grow in your conviction. Your conviction in two areas. First of all, the conviction of the uniqueness of the living Word of God who is Jesus Christ. Peter said, I had an experience with Jesus that I'll never forget. And I saw him on many occasions. I witnessed many miracles. But the thing that comes to mind is an experience that forever indelibly impressed on my heart and mind that Jesus of Nazareth is unique. James and John and I had been invited to go up into the mountain with Jesus. And we were on the mountain and Jesus had stayed up praying, but as usual, we went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, something woke us up. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was inky black darkness. Not even the stars were out. It was just solid black. And against that solid black backdrop, I saw Jesus. And he was filled with light. In fact, it looked as though he was clothed in lightning. The light that came from him was more brilliant than the light of the sun. The phenomenal thing was it was not a reflected light. The light was coming from within him. I saw Jesus of Nazareth transfigured. I saw him in his glory. I saw him as the Son of God. I saw him in his majesty. I'll never forget it. Jesus Christ is the unique Son of God. There's nobody like him. Living in the last days, people will tell you power comes from crystals. People will tell you there are gods within yourself. People will tell you they can bring peace and prosperity. People will tell you vote for them. They can bring righteousness and justice to the world. People will tell you if you set up this form of government, you'll be free. Are you growing in your conviction of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ? There is only one Savior. There is only one Lord. There is only one King fit to rule this world in God's eyes. There is only one man who can bring peace and prosperity to the human heart and life as well as to planet Earth, and his name is Jesus. Would you grow in your conviction of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ by reading the Word that reveals Him? Would you grow in your conviction not only of the uniqueness of the living Word of God, but grow in your conviction of the uniqueness of the written Word of God? And we have the Word of the prophets made more certain than any experience I've ever had. Peter will tell you that experience on the Mount of Transfiguration was phenomenal. And I pray to God that you will have experiences with Jesus that will be mountaintop experiences like that, like this, that will help to change your life. There is something in which you can place more confidence in your experience, and it is the word of the prophets. It is the Bible. And you'll do well to pay attention to it. Read the word. It's a light shining in a dark place, and our world is getting darker as people withdraw from the Word and say they don't want to hear it, they don't want to read it, the world is getting darker, but the Word is a light shining in the dark place. 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. There are no myths in the Bible. There are no legends in the Bible. There are no mistakes in the Bible. There are no errors in the Bible. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Are you growing in your conviction that this book is unique, inspired, infallible, inerrant? It is the Word of God. You've been listening to Living in the Light with Anne Graham Lotz. And if you'd like to share today's message, go to annegramlots.org, where you'll find much to assist you in getting into the Word of God, in praying, in sharing Christ with others. Join us again here next week for Living in the Light. <music>